0: Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. If you're new to Authentic Church, we're a Bible-based, Spirit-empowered, presence-driven church, and we have a simple vision here in this house, and that's that this would be a place where we encounter God. Everybody needs an encounter with God. Everybody needs that burning bush experience where you know that you know, man, I encountered God in this place. And then the other aspect of our vision is that this would be a place where you would discover community because nobody was meant to do life alone. We all need each other. If there's one thing we learned over the last few years of craziness with COVID and everything like that, is that we need community. And then the result of that is hopefully, as you're encountering God, as you're discovering community, that you would then find the purpose and the destiny that's on your life and that you would fulfill God's call on your life. And every single year here at Authentic Church, we kind of pump the brakes a little bit as we head into the end of the year and we do a series on legacy. And the, the goal is really that we're taking a moment to recalibrate. We're taking a moment to say, pause, okay, what's really truly important? And so we do our legacy, our legacy series. And I wanna intentionally bring this message to us today just to remind us what we're all about. Because it's very easy as Christians and very easy as a church to lose sight of why we exist. And you know, the Bible teaches that at the end of our life, there's actually two judgments that await us. Some people think there's just one, but there's two. There's the great white throne of judgment. That's the everybody judgment. And then there's the Bema seat of Christ. There's a separate judgment for you Christians. The everybody judgment is, did you have a relationship with Christ or not? If you had a relationship with Christ, the good news is you're judged based on what he did, not what you did or didn't do. But then there's the Bama seat, and that's a separate judgment. And and my goal as a pastor is to prepare you for that moment. And judgment kinda sounds a little bit harsh. It's more of a reward ceremony, really, when you study it it out. But in that moment, the question is, okay, so you knew Jesus, what'd you do with it? Like, what did you do? I, I, I placed you on the earth in the period of time that you were given, I gave you the neighbors, the friends, the school, the coworkers, I gave you technology, I gave you, I gave you the brain that you had, I gave you the gifts and the talents you had. The question at the Bama seat is, but what did you do with it? And we all have this gravitational pull, myself included, to begin to live our lives where it becomes self-focused and it's all about me. It's about my needs, it's about my Christmas list, it's about what I wanna do. And we can get focused if we're not careful and we begin to live in a place where we think that church is for me. And you can come to a a gathering like this on a Sunday morning in any given church in Orange County or around the world. You can come there on any given morning and you can think church is all about me. How am I being served? And we can become consumers and not contributors if we're not careful. But Jesus said, the greatest among you is the greatest servant of all and he modeled that life for us. And so legacy is really taking a pause, recalibrating, and looking at our lives and saying, Lord, I want to realign close to you. Is there anything inside of me that doesn't align with your word, your will? I want to lean into that. And so this morning, we're going to do just that. And I love what Jesus said in Luke 19.10. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And by the way, the church is for you. But it's, it's not about you or me. It's all about him and about his mission. And his mission is to seek and save that which was lost. Um, and we all have that gravitational pull. And we can, we can forget this truth that life is short. Eternity is real. And people matter most. Life is short, eternity is real, and people matter most. So today is Legacy Sunday, and three times a year— we do a special offering to the Lord. We only do this three times a year here at Authentic Church, and it's based out of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 16, where three times a year the leaders of the households would call, they would be called to present themselves before the Lord, and every single person would come. And at that moment, they would have a time of worship and they'd present an offering to the Lord above and beyond their tithe as they were each able to do so. And so three times a year at Authentic Church, we have a time of offering, a special offering. And so this morning, we will be having a special time of offering. And you were handed, when you walked in, you were handed one of these legacy giving guides. And uh, we're not gonna take time to read through it. I'll highlight some stuff a little bit later on in the service, but the heartbeat is that we were providing you a bit of insight into the vision that God has for us in the year ahead and some what we would call lanes of legacy that we are to reach for as a church, as a body of believers. And the three lanes of legacy that we had was the Hope Project, which is basically like taking the, the track, uh, the, the old school tracks where you would lead somebody to salvation, uh, taking an old school track and then flipping it on its head and giving it a cool kind of modernized uh, look. And then there's a new believers box that we're going to have for really discipling new people as they come to Christ, and then expansion. And so those were the three lanes of legacy. And I want you just, or over the course of the service this morning, I want you just to just have that in your heart and mind, because we're actually going to have a special Special time at the end of service, we're going to have a time of offering. In Isaiah 32, verse 8 says this Generous people plan to do what is generous, and then they stand firm in their generosity. And so we wanted to. We've been sharing this over the last few weeks, and hopefully you've been praying about that. Hopefully you've been praying about this moment. But today is the moment where we're actually we're actually going to give. We're actually going to live out Deuteronomy 16, where the leaders of the house would come and they would present a special offering, and it was holy to the Lord. And and the whole thing with with our legacy offering. It's, it's not to show you some pictures and some cool marketing material and what have you. Like that, that's not it. Really what it is is we've done our best to share what the vision is in this house and then we're all gonna pray and then we're simply gonna obey whatever the Lord tells us to do. It's not about a dollar amount. It's about you doing what the Lord is asking you to do. That's it. And we know that when we do this as a body, as a church family, then everything that the family has need of will be met. So pretty basic. So today I want to talk to you about seeing a legacy, seeing a legacy. Let's pray and then we're going to dive into the word of God today. God, we thank you for your word. It is life. It is living. It is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. God, I pray, Father, as we, as we dive into the word, Lord, would you just speak? I pray that we would have hearts and minds that are hungry to hear from you. God, we didn't come to hear a man speak. We came to hear you speak. And there's needs in this body, in this room, that I don't know, but you do. And people need to hear from you today. And so, God, we just, right now, we just close off thoughts that are not of you. Uh, We block any assignment of the enemy over our thoughts, our minds, as we're diving into the word today. And we pray and declare that we will hear from you today. Your, your sheep hear your voice. We know your voice. So, Lord, we pray that you would speak. We're here gathered together today to listen, to learn, to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 4. And I just want to share with you a very famous passage of Scripture. It's the it's story of the woman at the well. This became, she became the first evangelist that we know of in the Bible, and I find it interesting. This is the first person Jesus really does share that he is the Messiah. And there's a few things that you need to take a look at when you read the scriptures, and there's some key details that if you just read over it quickly, if you're not careful, you can miss. And when I read the Bible, I like to ask questions. So I have a hard time personally sticking to my Bible reading plan because it literally takes me hours to read through a a day's worth of reading because I get so many questions and I go down all these different rabbit trails. By the way, let yourself off the hook. If you've been reading your Bible reading plan and you're like at day 129 and we're almost at the end of the year, just let yourself off the hook. Just stick with it and continue on next year, all right? And I just wanna give you that permission. Some of you, you came to church and that's all you got. Praise God, right? So so I I read the Bible and when I do, I like to ask questions. Why is this in here? Why did he put it in here like this? And it's so interesting when you read through the story of the woman of well, there's a few things that stand out immediately. So Jesus and his disciples are passing through this area called Samaria. Now, if you were a good Jewish boy, you did not go through Samaria. So here's the rabbi, this radical teacher, and he's leading his troop of young men through an area that they were told you don't go through. So they're walking with Jesus and then they, they split off and they're gonna go into the town and Jesus walks up and as he walks up to the well, there's a woman there. It's really important to notice this. Jesus walks up and has a conversation with her And and he basically this is the icebreaker of all icebreakers. And by the way, what Jesus said, I I really encourage you not to say this at the next company Christmas party. But this is what Jesus said. Okay, he goes up to this woman, and he says, "Are you married?" (laughs) So here's here's this rabbi, single guy, walking up to this Samaritan woman that's all by herself at the well, and he opens his opening line is, "Hey, are you married?" And she's like, "No," and he's like, "You're right. In fact, you've been married five times, and the man you're living with right now isn't your husband." <laughs> How's that for an icebreaker, opening conversation starter? Right? You know? So Jesus just like smacks it, and she's like, "You must be a prophet." <laughs> Jesus just shot in that moment. Pause on that story. A Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. That was no fly zone. That did not happen a man talking to a woman alone didn't happen unless they were family or close friends. They didn't happen because in their society that day, men looked down upon women during that time frame. And, and you certainly didn't talk with a Samaritan because that was like this, this, this racism that existed prevalently in that area. So Jesus, in that one moment, he, he looks at her and he says, I value you as a person, and he sees the gold inside of this woman. He breaks down that barrier. Hello, women in ministry. And then he breaks through the whole race conversation. And he sees her for who she is. And he says to her, yeah, you've not been married once, but five times in the man you're with now, it's not your husband. And he immediately, what I would call, goes for the juggler in the conversation <laughs> with her. And they begin to have a conversation. And then as they do, she's going to take off and go back to the town. And the town, by the way, wasn't too far away. You if, you, if you had a town near a well, you wanted that town to be built close enough to the well where you can go get water and get back to cooking or whatever you needed to do with it, but far enough away from the well where it could keep the well sanitary. And so she, she's leaving and she's going to go back to the town. And so she takes off. As she's getting ready to go, before she's leaving Jesus' presence, the disciples begin to walk up. And this is where we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 4, verse 27. John chapter 4, verse 27 says this, just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him, Jesus, talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? So John is the one writing this, and what he said right there, no one asked, what do you want, where are you looking? John's writing this after the fact, looking back. And I think one of the reasons John wrote this, looking back, is because as a disciple, that there's something there where they, they realized, you know what, there was something off in us that day, like we, we didn't even ask the rabbi what he wanted, we, we didn't ask him any questions about why he was there talking with the woman. I mean, if you're, if you're a rabbi and I'm your disciple, the one thing that I do is ask you questions, right? I'm asking you questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you saying that? Why, 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 why are you speaking that way? What did you mean when you, when you did that, when you said that? That's what you do as a disciple. You ask questions, but they didn't do anything like that. John puts it in here. Why? I believe it's because he personally regrets that he didn't ask. That's my personal belief. But I think John wrote that because he's like, you know what? I I missed an opportunity there. So he puts it there. Why did John include this in the text? The reason is, is because he's pointing out that they were thinking more about themselves than about Jesus, Pause that, we're gonna come back to that. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Let me just pause that for a moment. You know, for me personally, I I was raised Catholic. Some of you know my story. Um, I was not walking with God. I knew about God, but I didn't have a relationship with God. When I was 20 years old, I became a single dad. Had a child outside of wedlock. Unlike Mary and Joseph, it was not immaculate conception. And I had a lot of shame that I was carrying around that nobody knew about. And it is so freeing when I came to Jesus, when I really had an encounter with God, where he he knew everything inside of me. And I just verbalized, and I went down the line, Lord, will you forgive me for this? Would you forgive me for that? Would you forgive me? And and he's like, yes, I forgive you, my son. Like I, I, I picture the smile of God just going through. And some of you, maybe you're here today and you need to just take a moment and go, God, would you forgive me? And it's not so much God forgiving you, he forgives you. It's so that you can forgive you. Sometimes we're, we're, we're easier on somebody else than we are on ourselves. And you just need to be reminded today, he forgives you and he loves you and he cares for you. So maybe... At some point this week, you just go down the list, and as you do, the smile of God's gonna come into that moment, and he's gonna remind you, I love you, I forgive you, and I care for you. So the woman leaves. She said, come and see this man who told me everything that I ever did, and verse 30, they came out of the town, and they made their way toward him, okay, So, so I want you to picture this. So Jesus has this moment with a woman at a well. She takes off. The disciples are walking up. So she takes off, and then she goes and talks to the town. So we know the town was close by because it's like, boom, and then all of a sudden she's coming back with all the people at the town. Then Jesus' disciples walk up to him, and as, as they walk up, they begin to think, what's going on here? And it says, verse 31, his disciples, as they're waiting for the town to come out towards Jesus, the disciples ask, and they say, Rabbi, eat something. In that moment they 're saying, "Rabbi, you need to eat something it 's kind of like um, it 's kind of like husband's when your wife says, "Hey, are you hungry for dinner now <laughs> you 're like no i 'm not hungry for dinner, but she is so she 's asking you if you 're hungry because she wants to eat right are you hungry for dinner now that 's the disciples they're saying, "Hey, rabbi, you need to eat something in other words they 're like uh, we're hungry. <laughs> like, like, we're hungry. I, I know you want to, you know, have some sort of a meeting or something that's going on right now, but like right now, like Jesus, we're hungry. Verse 32, but Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And Jesus does something that he does often. It's, it's when, when he asks a question, he actually brings up something and he provides a metaphor, a, an example, if you will, where he's now gonna bring through a spiritual principle that he's gonna wrap in. And then in verse 33, that is the disciples, they say to one another, "I said, could someone have brought him any food? Because Like, is somebody him food? We don't know, like, what's, what's the deal? Jesus said, you, I have food that you know nothing about. Did somebody bring him food? And here's my point is this. The disciples, they're walking with Jesus. They're spending time with him. They're on week-long journeys. They're camping out with Jesus, all right? Like I've been to the Holy Land. I've journeyed all through that area. It is beautiful. It's amazing. And to think that these guys were not going like by bus to all these different locations. They were just walking, having conversations more than what we realized, more than whatever was written down in the text. And all these conversations that they had and Jesus is sharing his heart with them and, and they're laughing and they have times and he's sharing spiritual truths. And yet in this moment, with what he's about to do, the disciples don't see what Jesus sees. And my point is this, if Jesus is walking with his disciples and the disciples could miss the mission, the disciples could miss the reason that he was there at the well, my question is, could we? Could we miss it? Could, Jesus is like, if, if you knew what I was about to do, you would put off having lunch. You would be good with waiting on lunch if you knew what was about to happen. If you really understood why I was here, you wouldn't be so concerned with the hunger in your belly. You would be concerned with the hunger in the hearts of the people that are coming right now. If the disciples could miss it, could we? Could we? So then Jesus throws him a bone as to what he's talking about. He says in verse thirty-four, he says, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work." Don't you have a saying? Still four months until harvest. Don't you have a saying to do that? And by the way, the four months till harvest, it was uh, um, it was a saying that they would do. What what is this called? colloquialism thank you for all you English majors colloquialism it was a saying four months until harvest was a saying like ah we'll get around to it you know like, like we'll, we'll get around to it like I, I know it's on, it's on my list Right, it's on my list. I'm at something. I'm gonna get around to it. They're saying was ah four months till harvest. In other words, you know we'll get around to it. And then Jesus says this in verse thirty-five. He says, "I tell you, let's say this together. Open your eyes. Say it again. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest." So Jesus is saying, look at the fields. I know you you got this saying, "Ah, we'll, we'll get to it later. Jesus is saying, no, the harvest is ripe right now. Can I just tell you, Orange County is ripe for a harvest. Can I tell you, your friends and family, they are ripe for a harvest. Those coworkers that you're nervous to share Christ with, you're nervous to invite them to a Christmas Eve service, can I tell you, they are ripe for a harvest we are living in a day and age where hope is at an all-time low for most people. And you have the answer. You have the antidote. All you got to do is give an invite to them. But there's something inside of us that can go, oh, what are they going to think of me when they, if, if they don't want to come or if this is going to come? Who cares? Like, who cares? Eternity is waiting. Open your eyes. There is a harvest There is a harvest with friends and family and people that you come in contact with every day. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. So Legacy Sunday is really about recalibrating our vision to see the things that God sees. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are Transient. They come and go, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we're not just gonna focus on what we see. We're we're not just gonna be content with taking care of our own needs. No, as a church family, we're gonna see and meet the needs of those around us. We're, We're gonna live out Hebrews 12, two that says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, I can I can tell in my own life I can tell when my spiritual vision is blurry <laughs> based on my prayers. So, there's times when you pray prayers and it's like the depths of your heart. There's other times you pray prayers and it's the top of your mind. And and I know when my, when personally, I know when my spiritual vision is off, and it's Jeff focused rather than others focused, is when the majority of my prayers, if God answered them, they'd only change my world and not the world. And I think many of you in the room might have had a moment like I've had, <laughs> where I, my prayer life in that moment or that season or that week or that day was just all about me. And Jesus is saying, man, open your eyes. Like, open your eyes. The fields are ripe for harvest. I remember years ago uh, when August, our youngest, was uh, little, we uh, we were blessed with a trip to go to Edmonton, Canada. And they have this massive mall in Edmonton. And uh, we were staying at our friend's, they have a big ranch on 100 acres. It was a super fun time. And uh, one of the days they brought us to the mall. Well, because it's so cold there in the wintertime, like nothing can survive the winter in Edmonton, they have everything indoor in the mall that you could ever want, including an indoor water park in the mall. And so like you're shopping and you're buying whatever shoes and clothes from Zoomies and you walk across the mall and then you're getting into a bathing suit and you're going and having a blast on water slides. It's just, it's wild time. So we go to this mall and they wanna take us to the water park. So we, we're going to the mall, we're going to the water park and there's water slides everywhere. There's a massive wave pool uh, that's going, like this is right in the middle of a mall. It's insane. And so we're there with all the kids and our friends' kids and having fun and everything else. And then all of a sudden we look around and we're like, Where's August? And there's he's nowhere to be found. And I'm like, I saw him in the wave pool, and then we were doing the water sides. We came back to the wave pool, and he's nowhere to be found. And now my kids, they have blonde hair, they're toe heads, and when they were little, they were super blonde. Like you could spot them out, like okay, blonde head, white white kid with blonde hair, boom. He's easy to spot, right? And so we're scanning the 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 whole place in the wave pool, and as a parent. When you can't find your kid, your heart palpitates. Like you just, every fear you ever have just comes racing and you're like dying a thousand deaths while you're going to look for your kid. And so we're running around. Our friends actually went to the doors. They say, have you seen this kid? They're like, a lot of people have come and gone. They're going out into the mall looking for this blonde haired kid, wondering if somebody took him. We're in another country. I know it's Canada, but you still need a passport to get there. Like we're in a foreign country, right? We're running, we're panicked, right? We're losing our minds. The only thing that I cared about in that moment was finding my son. I love my other kids, they weren't lost. My other kids, I knew they were fine. Brighton and Juju and River, they were were taken care of. But I was totally passionate about finding my son that was lost. Can I tell you who God is passionate about this morning? We're the found ones, but he's got a lot of lost kids in Orange County. He's got a lot of lost kids in this city. In this, He's got a lot of kids in your family lineage. And he is passionate about them knowing him. Like he loves them. And he wants them to experience life everlasting that's only found through him. That's what's on his heart today. If you want to see breakthrough in different areas of your finances like we've been talking about over the last month, be infatuated with things that are close to his heart and that is reaching his kids that are lost. Amen? Amen. So three things that I want to remind us here on this Legacy Sunday. Number one, I want to remind us, encourage us, open your eyes to where they are. Open your eyes. Open your eyes to where they are. Lord, this looks like just a regular day Going to the grocery store, God, open my eyes to somebody that needs hope. This feels like a regular family gathering. Lord, open my eyes to have a conversation with my cousin, my aunt, my uncle, my nephew, my niece. Open my eyes to hear where they're at, to pray for them, to extend to them a hand. Open my eyes. Open my eyes to where they are. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You might think you're just going to the bank tomorrow. But the Lord has a divine appointment for you that you don't even know about yet. You thought it was just happenstance that you're pulling in there at 9.30. Well, he has somebody else that might be pulling in there at 9.30 and has, is there gonna be standing in line right behind you. It's somebody you've never seen and you may never see again. And he's saying, could you open your eyes? Could you, have, could you open your eyes? Could you have a conversation with him? In other words, it. It was something you think you put on your calendar, but it was God's divine appointment. It was God's divine appointment. Humans plan their course. The Lord establishes their steps. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. God has made everything beautiful for its time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Every person has received a seed for eternity in their hearts. I got a, a, a cute little dog, he's a Maltipoo, Buddy. He's world famous, I tell you, Buddy is world famous. If you've ever been to my house, like, I mean, God forbid if somebody tries to break in the house, he's gonna love them and scratch their legs to death. Like, you know, like that's about all the watchdog my Buddy is, you know? I love Buddy. I've never seen once Buddy going, God, do you really exist? Like, there's nothing inside of an animal that's like, I wanna know God. Not inside of a dog. I'm guessing probably not a cat either, okay? Like, there's nothing in any animal that's going, I want to know about God. But there's something in every single person that you've been wired and designed to encounter God. There's a spiritual aspect of your life. Why? Because you were created as a spiritual being having a human experience on earth not a human being having a spiritual experience. There is a God-sized hole that everybody has. There's a seed that's been planted in every person when you were formed that calls out, that longs for the spiritual. And we have the answer. Number two, the second thing is to open your eyes to who they are, to who they are. You know, there's people all over the place. They're crying out for acceptance they're crying out for love, they wanna be included, they wanna be heard, and they wanna be seen. And you can sometimes hear their message and be so turned off with their message that you lose sight of the person that's in there. I mean, I've done it. I've seen certain people, and I, I, I watch how they live, or somebody sends me something on Instagram, and, I'm just, and I could just feel like they are a godless people. And God's like, yeah, they're godless. They do not have a relationship with me. That's how godless people act. <laughs> like, don't be surprised when you see godless people acting in godless ways. They don't have God. They're not saved. They, 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 haven't, they, they haven't received the transformative love that comes through a relationship with Christ. They haven't had that. Can you see them? Can you see them for who they are? Matthew 9, 36, Jesus said this, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. People, they're weary. They're scattered. They're longing for community. They just wanna be part of something, even if that something looks so illogical like marching in some of the marches and saying some of the stupid, ridiculous things they're saying. They don't even know what they're saying. Like there's a longing that's inside of them. Why? There's a God-side hole that's inside of them that can only be filled by Jesus. There's a seed of eternity planted in everybody's hearts. The ESV in Matthew 9, 36 says it this way. They were harassed and helpless. That's what you see in a lot of people's lives. A lot of the people that are acting out, doing these wild things, they're, they're, they're harassed by an enemy that hates them, and they truly are helpless without the help of Jesus, without the hope of Christ. So number one, open your eyes to where they are. Number two, open your eyes to who they are. And number three, open your eyes to what they need. What do they need? Where are they at? My wife and I, we were on a plane and I, I feel like uh, Fawn has this, uh, she, she's like a magnet for people that want to know God. Like uh, she's a magnet for people that are hurting. She's a magnet for people that long to know God more. She just is. And my wife is amazing at everything that I'm sharing here today. My wife could be the poster child for that. And she truly is. And those, that you know, those of you who know Fawn, you would all agree that she definitely, she lives this out. She lives this out. And we're on this plane flying to Boise and to see a friend of ours and celebrate their birthday and this weekend. It was awesome. And uh, and we're on the plane for five minutes. I'm kind of tired. I want to veg out. I was up late the night before working. And so I I just, I really want to just like have some Jeff time. So I get in my seat and I just kind of like lean back And this woman gets on, and it's Southwest, right? Which that, I I don't like flying Southwest. It's like a crapshoot for who's gonna sit next to you and where you're gonna sit. The control freak inside of me, I can't stand it. Can't stand it, right? And so you're trying to look like all these seats are taken, right? (laughs) Those three seats. You know, you're like, you know, you you don't wanna sit here, you know? (coughs) You know, you're doing everything to like give the vibe like you don't wanna sit in the seat next to me, right? And then this girl walks up and she looks and she's like, is that seat taken? And I'm like, and you know, thank God she, you know, don't hate me, but she looked like normal, you know, and so, and so, so Fawn's Fawn's like, this seat was for you. And I of course she said this. So this, this gal comes and sits down next to Fawn. And, and I'm kicking it having my own time and they have a conversation and then it's like five minutes into the conversation the girl's crying you know she's you know she's, Fawn's praying for her she's counseling her it's a divine appointment if there was ever a divine appointment they talk the entire flight I meet the girl at the end Fawn and her are like best friends you know just because she opened her eyes to who she was to where she was and to what she needed. You have the answer. I think sometimes the devil tricks us into thinking you got nothing to give that person. No, you have the most important thing to give that person. You have the most important thing. And it's not a thing, it's a someone, it's a person, it's Jesus. Psalms 112, verse six, the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. You know what's so cool when you live for Christ? You actually get to write what they're gonna say about you on your tombstone. You get to write your memorial and how you live today. Like you get to live your days today and present to the world what you will be remembered for. The righteous, your acts, your deeds, will be remembered forever. In our house, uh, one of the things that we love to do is every week we'll do, um, not every week, most weeks, we'll do a Shabbat dinner, we call it, a Sabbath dinner. And we'll do those typically on a Friday night. And during that time, we'll have a prayer time as a family. Uh, We'll take communion together. We'll have a delicious meal. We'll talk about the week. And then a lot of times what we'll do is we'll share stories. And, and our kids would love to hear stories of mom and dad like how we met and our first date and what was it like, you know, uh, meeting grandma and grandpa and, and getting to know them. And, and so we share all these stories. And the stories that I share and pass down to my kids, they're gonna remember forever. They're gonna pass that on to, to their kids and to the grandkids and the great-grandkids, etc. Your deeds that you do on earth really does get to be remembered forever. The question is, what legacy are you living that you're going to leave behind? And my goal is to parent my kids so that they don't just know the Bible, but that they live the Bible. And my goal for our church is that we would be a people that we don't just quote the Bible. That's great. That's awesome. But that we actually live the Bible. There's a lot of people that know the Bible, but they don't live the Bible. There's a lot of people that know the answers to the questions in the back of the book, but they just don't live it. Like, God wants you to live it. He, he wants to, because He wants to bless you, and through you, He wants to bless others through your life. Let's not just be people that know the Word of God, let's be people who live the Word of God. Amen. Romans 10:9, you've heard me quote this. I usually quote this at the end of our services in sharing a, a call for people to receive salvation. Romans 10:9 says this, "If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved." but you saved ones, for us that are saved, don't stop reading at verse nine. I wanna encourage you to go on and read verse 14 that says this, Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him, Jesus, if they've never even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? That's what legacy is all about. So this morning, we're going to have a time of a legacy offering. And I just ask all of us 100% participation in praying about what the Lord would have us give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8 says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I'm gonna direct our attention to the legacy guide now. If you have that, you can go ahead and take it out. I'm just gonna walk you through a few areas of that. And maybe you came today and you weren't prepared to give. That's okay. Read through this. Pray about it. Some of you came expectant because we do this every year at Authentic Church. You, you already have a number. You feel like the Holy Spirit is put in your heart. For you married couples, husbands, and wives, pray about it together. Share what the Lord puts on your heart. But there's three lanes of legacy that we have in there. And the three lanes is this. The three lanes is the Hope Project, the New Believers Box, and then expansion. And so I just wanna highlight a couple of them. The first one, and I've shared this in, over the last few weeks, but if you missed it, I just wanna bring you up to speed on it. The first lane of legacy is our Hope Project. And that's where we're gonna produce these bracelets. And the bracelets will have a simple QR code on them. And the goal is that this would provoke you, stir you up to do good works. And what our hope is is that we're gonna produce and give away over 5,000 of these bracelets to your family, friends, coworkers, Orange County, people you meet, but 5,000 of these are gonna go out from this house. And the conversation could go something like this. You're walking around Trader Joe's and you have a hope bracelet on your wrist. And every week, you pray about who to give a bracelet to. And maybe you just give one bracelet a week out. Maybe you have a radical goal to give one a day out. But every week, you're looking for somebody to give that bracelet to. And you're in line at Trader Joe's, and you see that person. You feel like the Lord says, okay, that's the person. I want you to go give that hope bracelet to that person right there butterflies in the stomach, a little nervousness, <laughs> you take the bracelet off, okay, Lord, and you just walk up to them, and you might say something to the effect of, hey, um, you know, I don't know um, what you might be going through today, but um, every day when I leave the house, I put this bracelet on that says hope, and every, every day I just look, and I pray for somebody that I, that may need some extra hope, so I don't know where you're at or what might be going on in life, but I just feel like God is Wanting me to give you this just to encourage you that there's always hope. And you give that bracelet to them. They say, Oh, thank you. That might be the beginning of a conversation, or that might be the end. And you go along shopping, check out, and you don't speak to that person again. But that person goes home with that hope bracelet with the QR code, and something inside of them sparks curiosity. And they scan that QR code with their phone, and it takes them to a web page, and there's a video. And in that video, they receive the simple gospel message, something to the extent of, you know, whoever gave you this bracelet, you're watching this video because somebody looked at you and thought this person might be in need of some extra hope today. And the truth is we all need more hope. And maybe you find yourself in a situation where you haven't had hope and maybe you haven't had hope in a long time. I want you to know that the author of all hope is God. God gave us his son, Jesus, and he really lived and he really died. He really rose again. And if you put your faith and trust in him, the God of hope will fill you with hope. And we'll walk them through that video into a prayer of salvation that will hopefully bring them into this church or a church, doesn't matter. I don't care where they go, but that they get into a Bible-believing church. And they walk into the doors of that church. And that they would have an encounter with God in a way like you've had an encounter with God, like I had an encounter with God, where I just said, I'm done living my life without you, Lord, I need you. And that they surrendered and get planted in the house. And if they do that here in Authentic Church, then we're going to give them this New Believers Box. In the New Believers Box, there's going to be a high-end, very nice quality study Bible. When you give your life to Christ, that is what is called your spiritual birthday. You are born again. On your spiritual birthday, we, we want to give you a present that actually has meaning. And when somebody accepts Christ in this house, we want to give them a box that's going to contain a really nice study Bible, a Bible reading plan, where to get started, some Bible pens, because I'm a Bible pen nerd and I love Bible pens and I get so much out of reading the Bible, I feel like the Holy Spirit and my highlighter, they're like this. (laughs) When you read with a highlighter, you're looking for something to receive. So we're gonna give them that. And then also in there is gonna be a, a New Believer's Guide. And it's just gonna be a short, sweet book that's filled with some of the most frequently asked questions that a new believer has. And we're gonna lead them into what their next steps would be as a new believer, which is to be water baptized and then to be planted in the house. And in that New Believers Guidebook, there's gonna be a QR code and we're gonna, they can click on that, they're gonna see videos and it's gonna walk them through what they're reading in their guidebook so that even if they leave here on Sunday night and we never see them again, they have what they need to begin to walk out this new life in Christ. But our goal is, and it doesn't stop there, that that's the beginning of a bigger conversation and that they get planted into this house. So if they get planted in this house, we're gonna need to make some more room for your friends and your family, which goes into expansion. The next stage in your legacy giving guide, the next page there is expansion and that's simply a building fund. We have a vision to be able to have a facility that we could use not just on Sundays, but that we could use it all week long. That we could make use of it where you could literally, we would have healing rooms and counseling rooms that are available where you can click online and you can sign up for a time slot and then give some indication as to what you want prayer for, what area of healing you need healing in, what area of your life you want counseling in, that you could sign up for that and you would be able to receive the prayer and the healing that you need. We, we have vision for a ministry center where we could have after-school programs where we're teaching the things of God and, 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 and biblical entrepreneurship to young people so that as they come out of school and they have ideas, well, we might be able to be in a place where we could literally help them launch a business or get going in a career or what have you. But this could be a place, it would be a gathering spot used through all the week. My personal dream is that we would have a spot where we could have a really awesome coffee shop. Coffee shops are the modern, they're the modern day wells where Jesus met the Samaritan woman. That there's a lot of Samaritan women and men that don't know Jesus that might come just for the coffee. But hopefully they'll get so much more than a coffee. So we have a vision for a ministry center. And if you're here and you're like, man, all this sounds good, I don't even know where to give in, then maybe consider giving to our general fund and then we'll disperse it based on wherever the need is the greatest. Again, it's not a dollar amount, like everybody pledge $100 or $1,000 or whatever. No, it's 100% participation that we all just say, Lord, what would you have me give? And so we have this simple prayer generosity prayer. Uh, we have a commitment card and on that commitment card you'll just have your name and address there in which option best represents how you want to contribute. If you're not a tithing member of authentic church and you consider this your house, I would encourage you. the best box for you to check is just to commit to being a tithing member. That helps so much with the needs and the operational needs of the church. But maybe above and beyond that, you wanna give a one-time amount of X amount of dollars to a certain fund. Or you're like, you know what? I, I actually wanna pledge whatever, $10 a month or $100, or whatever it is. I'm just, whatever you wanna give. And you're saying, I just wanna do that every single month. Everybody should have gotten one of these commitment cards when you walked in. If you did not receive one, they should be in the seat back pocket right in front of you there. And I would just like to ask all of us as a church family, just to fill that out, fill that out. So we're just gonna have a time right now where we're just gonna pray and ask the Lord what we should give. And we have this generosity prayer. No, nope, back a slide or maybe forward, I don't know. There we go. Generosity prayer. Lord, I long to live generously. Tell me what to give and where to give it. And then we just obey whatever he tells us to do. You can scan the QR code there. It'll take you to the giving page and you can give securely online. You can give one time or you can set it up as reoccurring. Totally up to you. So I just want us to pray, Lord, would you show us, Holy Spirit, would you show us where to give? And Lord, would you tell us what amount to give? God, all we have belongs to you. We thank you, Lord God, it's a joy. It's a joy to give. It's a joy to give. God, we thank you for every one of these lanes of legacy being fully funded, that there's more than enough, that it exceeds the budget. I thank you, Father, for every one of these lanes. And these lanes represent people and lives that don't yet know Christ. And we're gonna see them come to the knowledge of Jesus as their Lord and Savior we're going to see their eternity secure through these lanes of legacy God so we just wait on you right now God thank you Lord for more information on Authentic Church visit us online at AuthenticOC.com